from iHeart Podcasts, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome, everybody, to the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. I'm your host, Mike De Niro. Today, we have a super stack show. This is a special Tuesday episode because I wasn't here on Monday. Thank you so much, everyone, for having patience with me. I appreciate you guys letting me, you know, have that personal day. But we got a super stack show. We're going to be talking all about last night's Monday Night Raw, as well as going back in time to October 6, 1997. We're going to discuss Raw is War versus Nitro from October 6, 97. Stack shows on both ends amazing shows but first i want to thank all my subscribers thank you so much for riding with the wrestling glory podcast if you don't already take this quick second and hit that subscribe button on the circle of debate youtube channel for more episodes like this every monday wednesday and friday also make sure you support and follow on instagram at wrestling delorean pod and at circle of debate make sure you also follow on twitter at w underscore delorean pod and at circle of debate 
But ladies and gentlemen, we have a super stacked show. Thank you for joining us. Let's get right into all of that right now. So let's cut this beat. And let's start talking. First of all, shout out to Clark Street already in the building. What's good, homie? Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a super stacked show. Thank you for allowing me into your, I was about to say Monday, because, you know, ha, 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 your Tuesday routine. Shout out Kofi Weeson. Shout out to Sir, uh, what's called? Shout out the Dirty Heels podcast. Not your average fucking podcast. Speaking of, I'm going to be having guests here on the Rest of the Lauren podcast real soon. So, Clark Street. Dirty heels. Whoever, if you want to get on, let me know. We're going, we're going to make it happen. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, before we start this show, I want to give a big shout out to my sponsors. First of all, if you want to support the Wrestling DeLorean podcast, all you got to do is cop some merchandise at threefallsbrand.com. The best rock and wrestling merchandise on the motherfucking planet. I mean, they put they put together a little nice uh commercial. I'm gonna I'm gonna let that play out for you guys. Shout out to Three Falls Brand. I'll talk more about it after this. Three Falls Brand is a DOI merch company that provides original artwork on shirts, hats, stickers, and pins. Three Falls, WrestlePunk merch for the masses. Check us out at threefallsbrand.com and on Instagram at threefallsbrand. Definitely check out threefallsbrand.com. Kofi Wheatston says, I'm down. Name the date. Bro, you name the date whenever you want. You know what I mean? Mikasa Sukasa. Definitely check out threefallsbrand.com for the best rock and wrestling merchandise on the planet. But also, check out manscaped.com. Shout out to Manscaped for sponsoring the podcast. Go to manscaped.com for all your male grooming needs and make sure you use the, the promo code DeLorean for 20% off site-wide. It don't matter how much you're shit is you know cost it don't matter if you got the cheapest thing on the site or if it's the most expensive thing on the site delorean 20 percent off why wouldn't you want your little promo code you know what i mean check out manscape.com ladies and gentlemen enough of the chit chat let's get right into the show we're talking about monday night raw from last night featuring this motherfucker this was a really good episode of monday night raw Really good episode. I think, you know, I'm going to go on a limb here. I don't know how you guys feel about Raw, but I'm going to tell you right now, I think that since Triple H took over the, the booking, I think that this has probably been the best Monday Night Raw. I really did enjoy the last couple of weeks. I really thought that the last couple of weeks were fun and easy to watch, and it went through really quickly, but I think that this has been the most complete Raw out of all of them. Raw took place in Toronto, Canada. And had a big main event with Edge versus Damian Priest. And right off the bat, that main event delivered. It made, it really delivered. It felt like a main event. It felt like a big match feel. Yo, that crowd went crazy for Edge, but Edge put on a show. Damian Priest put on a show. It was a great, great matchup. You know, edgy at times, no pun intended. Uh, especially when Edge hit him with the, bah, fuck you, Damian Priest. You know what I mean? I, I really like the fact that Damian Priest is being elevated as a main event wrestler. He showed that he could main event Raw against a huge uh, Hall of Famer, and he could deliver because they went like 20 minutes. They had time, and they put on a hell of a matchup. Edge won the matchup in his own hometown. Afterwards, you had the Judgment Day attack, but whew, yo, that matchup was great. That shit felt like a real main event. 
That felt like the best Raw main event for quite some time. And I don't know, like, I just love everything about the current regime for uh, Monday Night Raw, for SmackDown, for WWE in general. I love the way these shows are being written. These shows are being portrayed. It just feels like it's... Didn't get to see it all. Bro, you got to go back and see it because... Raw was fucking fantastic. That main event was great. It just feels like it is more of the complete package now and not catering to different segments of the audience. You know, Monday Night Raw, I'm going to say more Raw because SmackDown, I feel, was always a little bit more tolerable. But Monday Night Raw with those three hours always felt like they were constantly adding too much filler. It constantly felt like they were just adding a lot of bullshit and fluff to get through those three hours. There was a whole lot of, you know rematches there's a whole lot of stupid segments there's a whole lot of this nonsense that people didn't care about such as the 24 7 title such as stupid you know fucking segments like bobby lashley sisters and like stupid shit you know what i mean for years we we dealt with that for years we dealt with the fucking corny ass writing the fucking corny ass shit that's catering to children and it finally feels like we have a complete show and it doesn't have to be a show that is catering more towards adults and not children because, you know, it wasn't like, oh, well, they're, they're going too raunchy or they're, they're being too vulgar. It was none of that. You, you could sit down a child and show them Monday Night Raw from last night. And I'm sure they're going to enjoy it just as much as I enjoyed it. I feel like for the first time you have a show that is catering towards everybody without trying to put too much on it to make it obvious that you're catering to them, if that makes sense. Like, it finally just feels like a show where it's just wrestling, you know what I mean? Like, back to the basics. Easy storylines to follow. Nothing stupid. Nothing fucking too complicated. You know, it just feels great to see. Starting off with the fucking way they started it. Raw right off the bat starts off with a brawl between Riddle and Seth Rollins. And this is the second time, I believe, or maybe the third time that Triple H started off with a brawl. But I'm going to tell you this right now. And I'm not one of these AEW haters. You know that. Like, I, I fucking love AEW. I love WWE. I love it all. Like, I'm going to call motherfuckers out when I think something sucks. And I'll fucking give them praise when I think that something's good. So, I'm just going to be honest with you. Go back and watch CM Punk and John Moxley's pull-apart from this past Wednesday's AEW. And then go look at the pull-apart between Riddle and Seth Rollins. And tell me which one looked more realistic. Because it was not John Moxley and CM Punk. Them throwing pillow fucking punches and barely getting separated. Yo, Riddle and Seth Rollins was a real pull apart. This shit made me want to see them fight even more. This shit looked realistic. And, you know, leave it to the guy who does real MMA to fucking make something look realistic. Clark Street says, bro, Raw was fire. Papa H is giving us something, giving us some wrestling plus some balance. I couldn't say it better. Like, you put it perfectly there. It is a perfect balance. You know what I mean? But definitely, this was a great way to start off Raw, to pull apart between Riddle and Seth. I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm excited to see their face-to-face next week, and their matchup should be a banger because you can feel the tension. You can feel the hatred. These guys really did have bad blood. Um, I believe it was with... Uh, I believe it was with Riddle's ex. He says something about... Or she says something about Becky Lynch. And... You know, Riddle stood up for his girl. So there was some bad blood between 
Seth and Riddle, but I think they squashed it since then. But still, just to know that there's a history here, there's a history with some bad blood. And you could tell with the intensity of these brawls between them, like it just feels good. Like it feels like it's realistic. Like as much as the promo was fire between CM Punk and John Moxley, like I said, that pull apart looked weak, bro. That pull apart looked like they were fucking throwing pillow punches. And that led me to think that CM Punk is not even fully, you know, ready to come back to wrestle. So we're going to see tomorrow when he has the match with John Moxley. But this is not about AEW right now. This is about Monday Night Raw. Great way to start it out. And then after that, we got the intro. Boom. Starting off hot. Trish Stratus is here. Now, like I said, I wasn't uh, home last night. I, I didn't see if um, it was advertised that Trish Stratus was going to be here. Like I said, going through uh, something personal. And I that's why I didn't do the show yesterday. But... I don't know if it was advertised that Trish Stratus was going to be here. So that was a surprise to me. That crowd popped. You know, Trish Stratus is the hometown girl. They were in Toronto. And it was really dope. And then you had Becky, not Becky Lynch. You had Bailey, EO Sky, and Dakota Kai come out, basically running down Trish. Now, I'm not going to say, like, oh, they said this, then they said that. Like, I'm not going to give you play-by-play, play, but I'll just tell you my thoughts about this. I thought that this was great. This is a great way to have a legend elevate your future stars having Trish Stratus in the ring going back and forth with somebody like Dakota Kai and Neo Sky is going to take Dakota Kai and Neo Sky and take them to that next level because now they're rubbing elbows with the legend and whether you know same thing with the the match between Bailey and Aaliyah later on in the night you had Aaliyah and Trish Stratus in the back and that that's good to have these legends rubbing elbows with some of these younger talent because that's how you get the newer talent to get over that's how you get the newer talent to be, you know, actually cared about because hell, if she could go toe to toe with Trish Stratus, I mean, I got to check that out. Like, I think that that's a great way that they're using the legends. You know, we got Kurt Angle going to be there next week. Kurt Angle's going to be live on Raw in Pittsburgh. It's the proper way to use legends. Make sure when you bring in legends and Hall of Famers that you're using it to elevate your talent. You know, gone are the days, I think, of legends coming in to outshine your talent. Like, that doesn't do no one justice. That doesn't do anybody any good. Having guys like Goldberg come in and squash The Fiend was no good. Having a legend like Goldberg come in and put over The Fiend would have been amazing. But still, it's just a, it's the pure principle of you use talent from yesteryear to elevate talent of today and the future. We had the semifinals matchup in the women's tag team tournament between... Io Sky and Dakota Kai versus Alexa Bliss and Asuka. And that was the first matchup of the night. This was a really good matchup. I really, really want to see a Io Sky versus Asuka match one-on-one. -on -one. I think that that would be great. I love the little glimpse of uh, the preview, the little glimpse of the future there with them. But definitely a good match. And I thought that the right team went over with Io Sky and Dakota Kai winning. Um, right now, they feel like the most established team. We have a lot of teams in this tournament that feels like just two women singles competitors put together to create tag teams. And I feel like something that the women don't necessarily have is established tag teams. And right now with Bailey, Io Sky, and Dakota Kai really forming this team, it feels like we have an established tag team. The only other team that I felt was more established was um, Toxic Attraction. But it was announced that Gigi Dolan injured herself on SmackDown so they're out of the tournament. That that whole what's it called? SmackDown side is cursed.
because it was supposed to be Nakia Lyons and uh, Zoe Starks. Zoe Starks got injured. Nakia Lyons was uh, not, she wasn't capable of wrestling, I guess. So they made it a uh, toxic attraction on SmackDown and then toxic attraction gets injured. So now there's going to be a fatal four-way matchup on SmackDown for the winner to go on to the semifinals. But definitely it kind of sucks to see that happen. It sucks that there's so many injuries going on right now. But for sure, this was a great matchup. Like I said, the right team went over. It was just a lot of good wrestling on this show. We had a hell of a match between Finn Balor and Dolph Ziggle, Ziggles. Ziggles. <laughs> we had a hell of a matchup between Dolph Ziggler and Finn Balor. Great matchup. Finn Balor wins. I thought that that was a good way to elevate Balor again. I feel like ever since he's been the leader of Judgment Day, you know, he hasn't been getting the necessarily the shine that I thought that he should be getting. Finn Balor is a wrestler who deserves to be on top. And I think that that's good that he's getting victories here against, you know, like a veteran of WWE, like Dolph Ziggler, but shout out to Dolph Ziggler, who the last couple of weeks been putting on bangers. He always has, he's always been like that silent, you know, workhorse where it's like, no matter where or when we see Dolph Ziggler, you know, you're going to get a good matchup. It's just a shame that he wasn't elevated, you know, earlier on in his career when he was really, really hot. So I guess he like just let you know things do pass him by, but I'm glad that he's still here and he's still putting on great matches because the match with Finn Balor was great. Also, shout out to Kevin Owens and Chad Gable. That was another phenomenal matchup. Another phenomenal matchup was AJ Styles and Bobby Lashley going against The Miz and Tommaso Ciampa, where we had the surprise appearance once again of Dexter Loomis, who in the crowd yoked up the Miz and just dragged him into the fucking abyss. Crazy-ass imagery there. I loved it. I thought that was dope. With all that being said, let's talk about the moment that's going to have people talking. Let's talk about the moment that was talked about after the show by everybody. We got the return of Johnny Wrestling. We got the return of Johnny Gargano, who made his return last night on Raw. Surprise, not fucking advertised. Johnny Gargano... Just came out of nowhere. Raw comes back from commercial break. All of a sudden, you hear the Rebel Heart song play, and then you see Gargano on the Titantron, and motherfuckers going crazy in the crowd. So that was really dope. First off, Cash This Fade, shout out to you, bro. Thank you for joining. If you don't already, subscribe to Cash This Fade on Twitch. The best Twitch streams on the motherfucking planet, yo. Real talk. That's the homie. Shout out to LOG, Lords of Gotham Music. Check us out. We had a surprise appearance. Johnny Gargano comes out. Crowd's going crazy. Johnny Gargano is basically talking about where he's been. You know, congratulations to him. Him and Candice LeRae just had a son. Um, I think that it's really cool to see Johnny here. You knew Johnny was going to come back eventually. Johnny Gargano was a free agent. He was Triple H's guy. Um, he was Mr. NXT for many years. So now that Triple H is running the show, you knew that Johnny was going to come back eventually. I've been saying it week in and week out on the show that I can't wait for Johnny Gargano to make his return. I didn't see him ever really going to AEW. I know there was some speculation that he might go to Impact Wrestling, but I'm glad that he's here because under the guidance of Triple H, Johnny Gargano was amazing. And I think that having him here on Raw is really going to elevate him. And I think that him being under Triple H once again is going to give us the Johnny Gargano, the Johnny wrestling that we all know and love. You know what I mean? So definitely cool. I think that it's great that his first appearance is going to be against um, Austin Theory. 
they didn't do a good job talking about the history between Theory and Johnny Gargano here because, you know, if you didn't know about their team in NXT, then you just wouldn't know. But Austin Theory and Johnny Gargano was a team in NXT. They were called The Way, along with Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae. So I think that they should have talked about that a little more. It wasn't just a random, you know, Austin Theory trying to break up or interfere in the promo of Johnny Gargano. It was history between them. So I think that that was really cool that you have that. But I think that next week they should have a, a video package or something just explaining the history between Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory. But overall, man, this Raw was amazing. Like I said, since Triple H took over and Vince stepped down, this got to be the best Raw. I'm giving this a strong 4.5 out of 5. I loved it. The only reason why I take it down a notch, just a notch, was... I mean, shit, like, I don't want to say it's the perfect show because I feel like if I give a five out of five, then this is going to be the standard bearer, and I know that they could take it up a notch. There was little things like not explaining why Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory is going to have beef here. There was little things like not, you know, not explaining why, just little things, like not explaining things through video package like WWE is used to doing. You know, I think that it was really cool that we had Dexter Loomis there. But now that Dexter Loomis is being talked about and dragging up the Miz, like I want to see more of what's going to happen next with Dexter Loomis. No more just appearing in the crowd. And, you know, I think that it was brilliant that, you know, yeah, Corey Graves talk about you have all the security guards and no one's stopping Dexter Loomis. I think that would have been a little bit more realistic if you all had security and police officers chasing after Dex Loomis since he's the outsider right now. Little things like that. The tiny, tiny, tiny little things. But I think that this Raw was amazing. I don't want to be dwelling on the negative. This definitely was a hell of a Raw, and I'm giving it a strong 4.5 out of 5. Cash is fade. Appreciate the love, bro. Just trying to blow up like you. Nah, bro. I'm trying to be like you, man. Yo, people, people don't even know. My man is the king of Twitch. I'm talking fucking ML... Well, I don't know if you MLB. I always MLB. I mean, NBA, NBA 2K, WWE 2K, Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty. Yo, you are you are who I think about when I think about gaming. So shout out to you, bro. All right, so what, what do you guys think about Raw? Like, let me know in the comments while I'm taking this commercial break. Let me know what you thought about Raw. Let me know if you thought that this was the best Raw since Triple H took over. But when we come back, we're going to be going back in the day. We're going to go back to Monday Night Raw from October 6, 1997. Raw is war. It is the, the fallout of bad blood in your house. And then also we're going to be talking about WCW Nitro, October 6, 1997 from the same night. And we'll discuss who we thought won that night in the Monday Night War. So stay tuned for all that and much more. We will be right back. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcasts, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We just just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being 
I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is the Queen of Extreme, Francine. I am here today to let you know that you need to go and check out this very cool podcast that is happening right now. It's called the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast, and it's on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Yes, three days a week. It's amazing. And on Wednesdays, Wednesdays are really special because Edwin Melendez, he reviews ECW Hardcore TV and sometimes he even talks about yours truly. So you need to go and you need to look up this podcast. Again, it's called the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. And it's on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And please tell them that the Queen of Extreme Francine sent you. It's the man, the king, the god of this shit. Nick fucking Gage. And you know how I start this off. Shout out to all my MDK gang members around the world. Shout out to all my boys locked up in the cells. Eastern Bloc. Shout out to my hate club. Rest in peace, Big Day Hatred. And rest in peace, my brother Justice Payne. And I'm sending this video to my motherfucking boy. My gang member, Mike DeNiro. And Mike... I want to start this off by saying thank you, man, for repping the MDK gang the right way. I want to say thank you, like I tell the rest of the people, and I keep telling them and telling them, Mike, if it wasn't for you or the rest of the gang, me, Nick Gage, I wouldn't be here right now, Mike, and I definitely wouldn't be doing what I love, that's professional deathmatch wrestling. So I just wanted to say thank you, Mike. And I want to let all my MDK gang members know to go check out the Wrestling Delarine Podcast. I was on it. It was a dope-ass podcast. We had awesome conversation. It was one of my favorite podcasts I did. And I don't do too many. And I've done some big ones. 
And this one was one of my favorites. So go check out the Delarane Podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. They do this shit three days a week. So from the king of this shit, from the god of deathmatch wrestling, go check out the Delarane Podcast. And remember, they do it three times a week. They ain't slacking. They're on top of their game. They do it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you know what it is. It's MDK all fucking day. And Mike, I would love to be on your podcast again, man. This shit still gets me hyped. This shit still gets me hyped. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fight for Monday night. We talk about this every Monday night, but since we wasn't here yesterday, we're going to talk about it here on the special Tuesday. But still, it's still the fight for Monday night because we're talking about Raw is War versus Nitro from October 6, 1997. WCW is on the road to Halloween Havoc 1997, which will have the match of WCW's whole career. I think that, in my opinion, the best match in WCW history between Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. But Monday Night Raw, we're off of the heels of Bad Blood, the very first Hell in a Cell in the debut of Kane. And we're on the road all the way to, that was supposed to repeat. We're on the road to Survivor Series 1997 in Montreal, which we all know is going to be Bret Hart's last show. So, we're about to get into Monday Night Raw from October 6th. Really good show. Intro was good. Yo, real talk, the best Raw intro. That and the Ruthless Aggression Era, you know, the uh, move to the music. That one was good, too. But this shit, the I don't even know what the fuck they're saying. That shit's fire. Anyway, Monday Night Raw. We start out with, the first of all, we start out with something very serious. We start out with Vince McMahon in the ring. And he is giving tribute to the late Brian Pillman, who passed away the day before. Um, earlier in the afternoon, he wasn't able to appear at the Bad Blood pay-per-view. Um, he passed away. You have the roster on the stage, and we had a 10-bell salute. A really nice moment for Brian Pillman, which I think that they absolutely fucking ruined later on in the show, which I'm going to briefly talk about. But it was mad distasteful when they had Brian Pillman's widow on early uh, later on in the show and she's in tears and Vince is asking her questions like oh was this drug related you know are you going to get sobered up now that your husband died from drug like that type of shit fuck that shit you know what I mean I thought that that was real fucked up by WWE trying to exploit Brian Pillman and his wife's drug issues because you know they're trying to pop a rating anyway we're starting out with uh we got the intro and then Shawn Michaels comes out along with China, Rick Rude, and Triple H. Shawn Michaels is just gloating about his victory at Bad Blood. You know, forget that Kane helped him. He's just over here saying he did it. He did it on his own. Um, we have a young Michael Cole in the ring interviewing Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Michael Cole was making his Raw debut, and he was quickly introduced to DX because Triple H gave Michael Cole a wedgie. To think 
in 2022 that Michael Cole is now answering to Triple H as his boss. I'm sure he never thought that would happen. But anyway, Shawn Michaels is talking about how, you know, him and Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and Six on the other channel, they're all still friends. They said that the click rules the wrestling world, whether it's NWO or DX, the click is ruling the wrestling world because they're all still boys. They all throw up the, you know, the two sweet. And Shawn Michaels said, just to show how we're ruling the wrestling world, let's go to the footage and show me beating Undertaker last night on the Titantron. Instead, the footage was not Shawn Michaels beating Undertaker on the Titantron. The footage was the old footage of the curtain call. If you don't know what the curtain call is, it was the last night. It was a house show in Madison Square Garden. It was the last night of Razor Ramon and Diesel in the company. And they basically broke character because a babyface Shawn Michaels hugged a heel Daz a Diesel. I said Diesel. The fuck? A heel Diesel. And then a heel Hunter Helmsley and a babyface Razor Ramon both enter the ring and they all hug each other. This was like pulling the curtain that, you know, heels and babyfaces, they get along. And oh my God, they're ruining the business. This was something that is looked at as so small and minuscule today because we've seen like the whole curtain call like a thousand times and we see how, you know, kayfabe is basically dead. But back in the day, this shit was controversial as fuck. And you could tell because Vince McMahon was not in a happy mood. They showed Vince McMahon after they showed the curtain call and Vince was pissed the fuck off, which led to Shawn Michaels and Triple H going out and taunting Vince McMahon saying, hey, did we ruin your business? Are you going to fire us? Is your daddy turning over in his grave? Just really taunting Vince McMahon. But then out comes Brett the Hitman Hart and the Hart Foundation. Brett the Hitman Hart said a lot of shit that I don't know I could say on this podcast without getting demonetized by YouTube. But yeah, it was... Let's just say he he said that uh, the, the Triple H's in Triple H, the HHH and the H and HBK stands for uh, take out take out the word sexual in the word homosexual. Anyway, we uh what's it called Triple H and uh Shawn Michaels start taunting um Bret Hart, Kofi Weeson they did and they still are and still employed. Hell yeah. So they start uh, what's called taunting Bret Hart, saying that Bret Hart, you're not the best there is. You're not the showstopper like Shawn Michaels. Bret Hart says that he wants to take out DX one by one, whether it's Rick Rude. He said whether it's that man China, which was another thing. Bret Hart was fucking dropping bombs, that insensitive fuck. Anyway, uh, he says he's going to take out DX one by one, and it starts tonight because he wants Triple H in the main event. So... It's made official. The main event is Triple H versus Bret the Hitman Hart. Really good shit to open up the show. First matchup, we get a lumberjack match between the Headbangers and the Godwins. You know, the Godwins came out with their Confederate flag. Shit that you won't see on modern day WWE television, thank God. Like, how did that shit even fucking fly? Like, to be honest, WWE was wilding at this time. Like, you had fucking Confederate flags by the Godwins, and then you had biker gangs looking like fucking, you know... Neo Nazis by the fucking DOA. Then you had the what's called Nation of Domination being portrayed as heels because they're standing up for their fucking rights. Like fucking wildin'. Like who could not go back and watch this and say that this shit was hella racist? Anyway, the Headbangers beat the Godwins. Thank God. I never was a fan of the Godwins. You know what I mean? Headbangers beat the Godwins. This was a lumberjack match. So of course you had the typical all the lumberjacks gain to a brawl on the outside. 
this was nothing anyway. Um, we get the first Jim Cornette's opinion segment here, where Jim Cornette just basically rants about modern day wrestling. He talks about how wrestling is forgetting about its stars of yesteryear, and wrestling needs to pay tribute to the stars of like Arn Anderson and Ric Flair, which. I, I know that these were unscripted, but I don't think that this was smart to put this on your television because you have Jim Cornette praising Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, who was on the other channel on the same night. Now, he goes on to diss Hulk Hogan, and he says Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, who gets a lot of fucking name drops today on this Raw. He says Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are nothing but you know little children trying to stay children in a man's world. And you have pansy ass eric bischoff who is just hanging around all these big guys because he thinks they'll rub off on him and he'd be a tough guy if he's hanging around tough guys jim Cornette was you know he, he was a hater then he's a hater now whatever anyway we get a really good matchup between the british bulldog and rocky maivia this was a good matchup I, I enjoyed it you had the nation of domination on the outside but you also had the heart foundation on the outside so it was in a lumberjack match like the first matchup, but it felt like it with all the people on the outside because it was a total of like nine people standing outside. Anyway, the British Bulldog beats Rocky Maivia with the power slam. Um, after this, you get a big brawl between the Hart Foundation and the Nation of Domination because Farouk was screwed by Owen Hart and Stone Cold at the pay-per-view. Stone Cold Steve Austin hit Farouk to allow Owen Hart to retain the title because when Stone Cold Steve Austin is clear to wrestle, he wants Owen Hart. He wants to get his title back from Owen Hart. He's the guy who injured Stone Cold, so Stone Cold wants Owen Hart. So he was going to help Owen Hart until he could get back in the ring and fight Owen Hart. But it just happened that Farouk was a victim of circumstances there. Anyway, after this, Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out. This McMahon has a waiver there for him. He says, no matter how many times the WWF doctors are telling you you're not clear to wrestle, you still come here, you still want to get physical, you're still trying to fight everybody in your way. So here's a waiver that says that you could wrestle even though you're injured, but if you continue to get hurt, if you are seriously hurt, you are not able to sue the WWE. You are not able to place blame on anybody but yourself. So Stone Cold Steve Austin basically says, listen here, jackass, I'll sign whatever the hell I want to sign. I'll do whatever the hell I want to do. He said, the only way I'm signing any paperwork by the WWF is if you promise me that I get Owen Hart and I get a shot at the Intercontinental title in which this McMahon agreed he could have. This led to Farouk on the Titan Tron saying that Stone Cold doesn't need to worry about Owen Hart. Stone Cold needs to worry about him. He says, your ass is mine because you messed with the... Uh, you messed with the Nation of Domination. And then he said, with your bald head, and he starts making references to Stone Cold being a skinhead. Stone Cold Steve Austin gets on the mic and says, listen here, Farouk, it's not a race thing. It's not a color thing. It's I'm going to kick your ass thing. And it's going to be Farouk versus Stone Cold in the foreseeable future. I just think it's crazy how they constantly make the Nation of Domination, the heels here. Like, you had fucking JR and Vince McMahon saying, these thugs on the... Like, that's fucking racist, man. Like, real talk. Anyway, and you know Stone Cold's going to be Farouk too, so it's like, it's not like the Nation of Domination is going to get their comeuppance, you know what I mean? Next, we got Owen Hart versus Road Warrior Hawk. This was a bit of a squash match. This lasted like five minutes. Road Warrior Hawk loses. Owen Hart gets the victory. Afterwards, we continue the big brawl between the Nation of Domination 
and uh, and the Hart Foundation. Next, we got the Hardy Boys in the ring. This is 1997. This is when the Hardy Boys was looking like the Young Bucks. You know what I mean? You had the Hardy Boys in the ring, and they're ra- they're waiting a matchup. I think they were supposed to go against the Truth Commission, but out comes Paul Bear and his newest acquisition, Kane, who made his debut 24 hours before at the Bad Blood pay per view. And Kane just basically destroys both Hardy Boys. Double choke slam, throws Matt Hardy to the outside, tosses Jeff Hardy on top of Matt Hardy. Looked like a million bucks, man. Kane was a monster. I love this old school Kane with the fucking bodysuit look. Like, that was fucking dope. Like, I love this Kane. Anyway, Paul Bear gets on the mic. He says that Kane will run through every wrestler in the WWF until it's no one but just him and The Undertaker, and The Undertaker will have no choice but to face his brother in the ring. We then get the main event. It is Hunter Hersombly versus Brett the Hitman Hart. During the matchup, Shawn Michaels comes down to the ring. This is the infamous moment where Shawn Michaels puts the uh, the Canadian flag up his nose and he starts making a mockery of Canada. He like blows his nose with the flag. This leads to Owen Hart and um, Jim DeAnville Nightheart coming out, which they get into a brawl with Shawn Michaels outside. The referee is distracted. Bret Hart goes outside. China hits the low blow. Then when the referee is going after China, Shawn Michaels hits a super kick on Bret Hart. So Bret Hart's knocked out on the outside, and Triple H actually beats Bret Hart with a DQ victory. Well, not DQ, a countout victory. So that's how we go off the air. We have, yeah, we have DX standing tall. The Hart Foundation's pissed. You know, I thought that because Brian Pillman was a part of the Hart Foundation, they were going to let them, you know, shine at the end of the show. But I guess not. And you know what? I Like I said, I totally skipped the whole sit down with Melanie. I thought that was fucked up how they tried to, you know, exploit the drug issues of Melanie and Brian Pillman to get a fucking rating on the show. That shit was not cool. Anyway, I give this show a three out of five stars. I thought it was really good. Um, it had its high points, but it definitely had its low points. It left a real bad taste in my mouth when they were interviewing Melanie, who was crying because her husband just lost her, his life. And Vince is like, Melanie, is this drug-related? Was this drug-related? Did, did, did Brian Pillman overdose? And Melanie's like, I don't want to talk about any of that. I just want to remember my husband in a positive light. And he's like, are you on drugs? Like, dude, what the fuck? Like, she's a grieving widow who just lost her husband no more than 24 hours ago. And you're over here fucking exploding that there was a drug issue. Like, that's fucked up. You know what I mean? Shout out to Jofo in the ring. Make sure you subscribe to Jofo in the ring. Hey, yo, what's good, Jofo? What's good? Thank you for joining. We're about to, you know, speaking of hey, yo. We're about to talk about WCW Nitro from this same Monday, October 6, 1997, which Scott Hall played a big role on. So let's get into that right now. Remember, I gave Raw a three out of five stars. Let's see how Nitro did. We start out with Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff coming to the ring. It was announced last week that it's going to be Hulk Hogan versus Rowdy Piper in a steel cage match at Halloween Havoc. 97. We're about two weeks away from Halloween Havoc, and we will be covering that show here on the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. Hulk Hogan says that he is not scared of anybody. He says, lately, you've been seeing Sting come from the rafters and taking everybody out with a baseball bat. But Sting will never come to the come from the rafters when it's just one-on-one. Sting always comes out with his bat. Sting always comes out when we least expect it. 
Sting is not a man. He's not man enough to come and face me one-on-one. He says, just like Roddy Piper is not man enough to face him one-on-one in the ring right now. He says, with that being said, at the pay-per-view, when he gets Roddy Piper inside the cage, he's going to absolutely destroy him. First matchup of the night, we got Jeff Jarrett versus Booker T. Jeff Jarrett's accompanied by um, Deborah, and Booker T's accompanied by Jacqueline. It's funny because within a year, we see both Deborah and Jacqueline in the WWF, but and Jeff Jarrett. But this matchup was pretty decent. I always thought that Jeff Jarrett and Booker T had some pretty good chemistry. Um, their most infamous matchup was their Bash at the Beach 2000 matchup, the main event where Booker T won the title. This matchup was good. Booker T gets the victory here. Booker T was always a star to me. Like, I always thought that he was a star, even in his Harlem Heat days. Like, Booker T was just itching on greatness, you know what I mean? We then get a quick matchup between Alex Wright and Billy Kidman. Uh, Alex Wright gets the victory. Billy Kidman's really young at this point. This is 97. Um, but we have Raven and Perry Saturn sitting ringside. And after the matchup, they kind of like do what Dexter Loomis did to the Miz. They yoke up Brian, uh, Billy Kidman and bring him into the crowd and walk off with him. It looks like they want Billy Kidman to be the next member of Raven's flock. We get a quick match between Mortis and Ernest the Cat Miller. This was whatever Ernest wins. And then out comes Scott Hall. Scott Hall and Six Pac. Shout out to Jofo. Scott Hall hit him with the, hey, yo. Then, of course, we got the infamous survey. You know, survey time. Are you here for WCW? Are you here to see the NWO? You know what I mean? Crowd's going crazy. They all love Scott Hall. He says that last week he was beat by a jelly bean, a jumping bean named Hector Garza. You know, rest in peace, Hector Garza, one of my favorite luchadors. But he said that that was a fluke, and tonight he wants a rematch against Hector Garza. This is during a time, if you remember, where Scott Hall is attacking referees because he wants to show that he's not scared of any official, being that at the pay-per-view it will be Scott Hall versus Lex Luger with uh, Larry Zabisco as the special guest referee. So Scott Hall here makes quick work of Hector Garza, and then he attacks the referee, puts him in the torture rack, which is Lex Luger's move, so he's adding insult to injury there. We then get a short matchup between the Disco Inferno and DDP. This matchup was DQ'd and ran, it ran like four minutes before there was a DQ because out came Macho Man Randy Savage. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. He takes out DDP. He hits him on the outside. Then Macho Man Randy Savage, he tries to hit DDP with a pile driver on the outside onto concrete. He exposed the concrete. But out came Commissioner Roddy Piper, who prevents Macho Man from doing it. Instead, DDP then hits the diamond cutter on Macho Man onto the concrete. And then we got the whole stretcher deal. You know, you had paramedics come out. They stretcher out Macho Man. It's announced that we're going to be getting another matchup between DDP and Macho Man at Halloween Havoc. So that card's really starting to shape up. But you had the whole NWO come out. They're all pissed. After they leave, you had Roddy Piper get into the ring. He said earlier in the night, Hulk Hogan called me out. He said I was scared. Ain't nobody scared of you, Hulk Hogan. So he's like, I want Hogan to come out right now. Face me face to face. Let's see what Catch His Face says. Dead remember this show almost top to bottom. Yeah, this was a great episode. I'm telling you this right now. I really enjoyed this episode. So Hulk Hogan comes out. He says to Roddy Piper that, you know, they, their careers have been parallel for the last 15 years, and they had many historic encounters. 
if you remember the very first WrestleMania main event was Mr. T and Hulk Hogan versus uh, Paul Orndorff and Roddy Piper. So there's been a lot of history between these two. And he said all that history comes to a end at Halloween Havoc because Roddy Piper's out here calling himself the icon, but Roddy Piper can never be an icon as long as Hulk Hogan is still breathing. So then from behind, Roddy Piper starts taking off his kilt, starts taking off his shirt. He says, let's get, let's get this match going right now. Screw Halloween Havoc. Screw the cage. Let's go right now. From behind, Eric Bischoff gives a, I guess they called it a karate kick. This shit looked weird as fuck, but he gave him some weird looking crane kick to uh, Roddy Piper in the back, which led to Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper getting into a quick brawl, but then it was outnumbered because the NWO comes out and they just jump Roddy Piper. Who's the commissioner, by the way? I mean, doesn't he have any say here? He's getting jumped by his wrestlers. But this matchup is going to be a bad blood matchup because you have a lot of history between Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper. The next two matches were phenomenal matches. We end this show out with strong wrestling because the first matchup, we have the Cruiserweight champion, Eddie Guerrero. He defends the title against the Ultimo Dragon, which was a great, great matchup. Eddie Guerrero's trying to go against every masked wrestler because at Halloween Havoc, he's going to have his historic matchup against Rey Mysterio. This matchup was great. They got a lot of time. It went like 15 minutes, and it was just nonstop action. Go out and watch this matchup. Go out and watch these next two matches because this was a great matchup. In the end, Eddie Guerrero retains his title. Rey Mysterio comes out. They have a stare down, and then Eddie Guerrero hits him with a low blow. And then main event, we have... Chris Benoit, who was still a part of the Four Horsemen at the time, going against Kurt Hennig, who, if you remember, at the Fall Brawl pay-per-view was a part of the Four Horsemen in War Games, but turned his back on the Four Horsemen to join the NWO. So Chris Benoit here is mad that, you know, Kurt Hennig not only took Arn Anderson's spot, but then turned his back on the uh, Four Horsemen. This matchup was amazing. Technical wrestling at its best. We had a great, great matchup between these two. I never even knew these two had a matchup, let alone had a banger like this that I never even fucking heard of. Like I said, go out of your way to watch these last two matches. Catch this face as absolutely last two was phenomenal. I, bro, these two matches were insane. Insane. Like, a lot of people want to talk about, like, good wrestling today. There's matches today that couldn't even light a candle to the type of matches that these two were. And that's saying a lot. And I'm telling you this right now. There's a lot of good wrestling out right there. Like this past Monday's Raw, last night's Raw was phenomenal. But I'll put up these last two matches against any match that I saw on Raw, any match that I saw on AEW Dynamite last week. This was a phenomenal, phenomenal matchup. In the end, Kurt Hennig wins the matchup clean. No interference by the NWO. He beats Chris Benoit with the perfect plex. This leads to the NWO then coming out. They jump Chris Benoit, which leads to the return of the nature boy, Ric Flair, who comes out with a pipe and just cleans house. And then he announces that he wants Kurt Hennig at Halloween Havoc. So let's talk about this card real quick. Halloween Havoc in two weeks. We have in the main event, Hulk Hogan versus Roddy Piper, Steel Cage. We have Ric Flair versus Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect. We have DDP versus Macho Man Randy Savage. We have fucking Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. This card is really shaping out, and I'm really excited for Halloween Havoc 1997. Anyway, this Nitro, I'm giving this Nitro a strong four out of five stars. So last week I said Raw beat Nitro in my opinion. My opinion, this week Nitro beat Raw. This was a great show, and as good as Raw was, I strongly, strongly recommend 
anybody who is watching this right now, I'm giving y'all homework. Sometime this week, put on Peacock. If you're international, put on the WWE Network. Find WCW Nitro from October 6, 1997. It was a hell of a show. This was a pay-per-view quality show on free TV leading to the pay-per-view, which makes me even more hype for the pay-per-view. So definitely check this out. Ladies and gentlemen, I will be here once again tomorrow for the special Wednesday show. We'll be talking all about ECW Hardcore TV, as well as tonight's NXT uh, episode where it will be a lights out match between Wendy Chu and um, Tiffany Stratton. That should be a good matchup, but it should be a great card, especially with all the NXT UK guys coming over to NXT. I'll be talking all about that tomorrow, as well as NXT, uh, just the future of NXT. I have a lot of opinions on where they're going, especially with Triple H taking over and the new announcement that they're going to be closing up NXT UK and starting NXT Europe. We'll talk all about that. And like I said, every Wednesday, we talk about ECW Hardcore TV. We're on the road to WrestlePalooza 1998. So there should be a lot to talk about. You don't want to miss it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast, the special Tuesday episode. I appreciate all the support and patience for, you know, allowing me to take that personal day yesterday. There's a lot that was going on. Um, thank you so much for, you know, giving me my privacy. And I appreciate that you guys all came to hang out on this special Tuesday episode because we don't usually do Tuesday episodes. But I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Make sure you follow on Instagram at Wrestling DeLorean Pod on Twitter at W underscore DeLorean Pod. Hit that subscribe button for Circle Debate. And we will catch you tomorrow here on the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast on Thursday for episode 116 of the Circle of Debate. And then on Friday with a special top five Circle of Debate episode and earlier in the day, another episode of the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. So you better get used to this face. You're going to see a whole lot of it this week. Great podcast, bro. I appreciate you, bro. Thank you for coming and showing support and always showing love, man. I really appreciate it. Anyway, stay positive, stay strong, stay safe. I will catch you all on Wednesday. Take care, y'all. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Before Sarah discovered ChumbaCasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah. Woohoo! Often thinks about the old boring Sarah yes. and wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Chumba Casino has over a hundred casino style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.